Brother Tom Benson has been a friend for a lot of years. Uh, he started and pastored a church in Connecticut uh, for, for, was it 40 years, brother? You were there? 30, 35. Okay. Oh, we'll just round it up to 40. And uh, it felt like 40. Um, but uh, he's a faithful man and, 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 a, and a good friend, and he has retired from the pastorate, but still active in the ministry uh, down in Florida now. So he's preaching for us today, and uh, we're glad him and his wife are here. And brother, you take over. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Good to see you all. Good to see me too, as Brother Gip often says. Um, you guys uh, won the toss in that when we left Connecticut, we had only two places that we believed God would have us to go, and this was one of them. And uh, you won the toss, so you didn't get us. <laughs> so I guess that's a good thing, amen? But honestly, uh, every time we come here, we feel like home. Uh, and uh, I just was enjoying the singing sitting up here. I, I was singing a little bit, but I wanted to hear y'all. And uh, it's, it's, you can tell I went to Florida to hear y'all. And uh, it's, it's just a joy to be here. I, I do love this church. I love your pastor and his wife and, and Sam and Cassie, uh, dear friends as well. And I'll tell you a little bit about him tonight. Uh, during the graduation, he preached my graduation um, in 1983. Uh, and he, I asked him the other day, I said, do you remember what you preached? He said, no. I said, I do. And I'll, I'll remind him tonight of that. Open your Bibles, if you would, here this morning to 2 Kings chapter number 5. 2 Kings chapter number 5. I'm going to try to be a blessing here, to be a help and an encouragement, but also to kind of encourage you to keep doing what you're doing. Uh, this church... Uh, Where'd he go? He was over here. Where's the pastor? Where'd he go? He left. He knew I was preaching, so he left. <laughs> He'll be back. This church and that guy that was sitting over there uh, certainly is a dear friend. And this church, I, my wife and I counted a dear privilege just to know so many of you. We don't know all of you, uh, but uh, the ones that we do know, we're grateful to uh, have you be our friend. Um, you probably don't have any idea the influence that you've had on my wife and myself and my family and the church that I pastored all those years, uh, but a tremendous influence has been worked in us. And you're well known, I don't want you to get a fat head, so don't, but you're well known everywhere. Uh, people always talk about Treasure Valley Baptist Church and the good folks there. So you have, you have had great influence. Uh, and that's what I want to talk to you about here this morning is influence. Um, and the influence that, and the power of influence that you can have, uh, more so than what you have even now. Um, I'll just be honest with you that... Um, when you stop and think about the power of influence in our life, we don't, we don't consider how deep that goes and how powerful it really is. Uh, you have influence, gentlemen, uh, with your wife, with your family. Uh, my wife has had great influence in my life. 
she's the reason I'm even saved. Uh, the influence that she had. Uh, Sam Gipp and uh, Kathy, uh, I can't tell you how much I love you guys and appreciate you. You have no clue uh, the influence that you have had in my life and in my bride's life. Uh, and there's people in here, I, I don't know you, and I'm sure there's people on this side that really you don't know very much about people on that side because that's, that's the left side. <laughs> and this is what we call the right side. And that's why I'm over here. When we moved to the church in Deland, we were sitting on, on that side, and I told my wife, I said, I just feel so uncomfortable over here. We need to move to the other side, which we did. <laughs> but there's people here, including that man, uh, that I really didn't know that well until the time we came here, and my heart was just knit with him and his bride and his family. So... You, pope, you folks have a, an influence in missions, uh, your missions giving, your care for missions, uh, your care for missionaries, and your ongoing care for each other. Um, when you talk about influence, you're talking about things that is a, such a powerful medium in your life, in my life, um, that sometimes we don't even recognize and realize the influence that people have in our lives or the influence that we can have in their life. The respect that I have for this ministry, and this is really not the message, but the respect that I have for this ministry is beyond words. And like I said, I'm not trying to puff you up and all that, but this word influence is not a Bible word. You don't see the word influence in the scripture. But the principle of influence is all throughout the scripture. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Matthew and get also 2 Kings chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 and 2 Kings chapter 5. Let me just give you a couple of verses here. Matthew chapter 5, look at verse number 13. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Look at uh, Proverbs chapter number 27, if you would. Proverbs 27. Just to set your mind to where we're going with this, just so you get a couple of verses in your brain here. Proverbs chapter 7, 27. Look at verse number 17. Influence. Influence. Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Influence. Uh, your salt, your light, uh, your friend, and you're sharpening your friend. Uh, look with me, if you would, at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Just look at a couple of these, and then we'll get to the text in 2 Kings. 
1 Corinthians chapter number 15. Look at verse number 33. Be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners. There's two kinds of influence. There's a positive influence and there's a negative influence that we can be in people's lives. Look at 1 Peter chapter number 3 and then we'll go over to 2 Kings. 1 Peter chapter number 3. Look at verse number 1. 1 Peter Chapter 3, verse number 1. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may, without the word, be won by the conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation, coupled with fear, whose adorning let it not be that outward adorning, the plating of the hair and the wearing of gold or a putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God, of great price. The influence that we can have on our spouse, we can take both sides of this if we could, but the reason I'm standing here as a saved man this morning is because of my wife, Bonnie, and the influence that she had. She got saved uh, by the influence of a couple that lived above us, the lady that lived there, and uh, when she trusted Christ as their Savior, and then, you know, we moved back to our old stomping grounds from, from there. And I was raised Roman Catholic, as I'm sure you've heard me tell you. And she started witnessing to me about the Lord. And I can just tell you that all that I heard and the verses that she showed me uh, impacted my heart in a powerful way. But I'll tell you what really hit me the hardest was even though because I was, uh, you know, I was a lost Roman Catholic said in my religious system and when she got saved because uh, she, she grew up in an atheistic home when she got saved I kept telling her you needed this thing of Christ I, I don't need this I'm a Catholic and so what happened was uh, that dear lady just continued to be a godly woman and it took nine months it's almost like from conception to birth but it took nine months for me, and I finally saw it. And I finally surrendered and trusted Christ as my Savior. Why? Because of her conversation. Not her speech. Not so much what she said, but what she did and how she acted. And Bonnie, I'm so grateful for you and thankful. And, you know, you've been sticking with a, a bum for all these 53 years now, and I'm grateful for that. And I thank God for you, honey, and you just bless my heart. So influence, uh, as I said, it can be positive, it can be negative. Uh, and there are several places I'm sure that you're aware of. Uh, in Proverbs 22, verse 22, it says, Make no friendship with an angry man. And with a furious man thou shalt not go, lest thou learn his ways and get a snare to thy soul. Influence, negative influence in your life. So that's why you have to be careful who you hang with, who you chat with, and who you spend your time with. Because they are influencing you. But also on the other side of that, you have to be aware of the people around you uh, that you can influence. Where you work, uh, you're an influence with those people you work with. In this church, you're an influence to people that are in this church. You may not even realize how influential you really are. With your family, you have an influence with your family. Uh, my brother... 
When I got saved, my brother said, Tom, you need to be deprogrammed. You're in a cult. Those, those, those words just continue to continually ring in my ear as I'm looking at his face in my mind. In my testimony to him, we just continued to witness to Jim for 40 years. And for 40 years, uh, we only talked a couple times a year at our birthdays, and when he needed money, he'd call me. Uh, because I was his younger brother, his kid brother. It took 40 years, but my brother got saved. And, you know, shortly thereafter, he died just a few months after that. But for 40 years, I witnessed to him. And it wasn't what I said. It was our family. It was our marriage. It's what God had put together that influenced my brother. And he said these words to me. He said, Tom, I've been watching you all these years. And everything you have, I wanted and don't have. I want what you've got. So I talked to him on the telephone uh, that day, and I said, Jim, let me fly down and, and spend some time with you and walk you through this, because I'm giving it to him over the phone. He said, no, I don't want you to come. I called a dear friend of mine that lived in that area, and he went over and led him to Christ. Um, 40 years. So you may have somebody you love and care about in your family, somebody you work with that you love and care about that are not saved. Uh, don't give up. Don't quit. And, you know, the influence factor doesn't just go from, you know, older people. The other day you had Master Club kids up here. They influenced me. And I thought to myself, here's the future of Treasure Valley Baptist Church. These kids and their singing and the verses that they quoted and the verses that they learned we had Awana where our, when our kids were young and my son learned, I don't know, it was 450 verses in kindergarten, first and second grade. And uh, he got the Timothy Award. And here he is, just a young kid, and we were on a picnic and Bonnie's brother, uh, Mark, one of her brothers, said to my son, Tim, you believe all this stuff? You believe all these Bible verses? You believe all this stuff your parents are telling you about? And my son just began to quote Scripture. Of all those hundreds of verses, he began to quote Scripture. As they're walking around a park, and her brother Mark got saved as a result of a first, second grade kid. So these kids that were up here, uh, you think, oh, what are they going to do? You have no idea what they're doing now, and what they're going to do. So praise the Lord for influence. Um, influence is having an effect on somebody, on something. Influence. Whether directly or indirectly, you're influencing people. And sometimes we don't, we don't give it a lot of thought about how that influence takes place and what should happen and how we should do that. But as I said, influence is not a Bible word, but the verses that I gave to you, that's, that's the principle you see from the book of Genesis all the way through to the book of Revelation. People, influencing people. And you have no, no idea who you're influencing. I want to I just take a couple of minutes here now, and I want you to go to 2 Kings chapter number 5, and I want to just give a little bit of a comment here uh, about a young lady. 
Here in 2 Kings chapter number 5, I want you to look with me at verse number 1. It says, Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man, great man, with his master, and honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel. Underline that there, a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. And so you know the rest of the story. One goes in and the king sends a a letter to the king of Judah and tells him, I'm sending this man to you so you can cure him of leprosy. And he says, well, what is this guy doing, trying to start a fight with me? And Elisha gets wind of that and he says, send him to me. So Naaman goes to Elisha and Elisha tells him, go dip seven times in the Jordan River. And he gets mad. He gets upset, as you read in the chapter. And he gets all upset with the fact that, hey, we got better rivers where we live than these filthy rivers in Israel. And his men that were with Naaman said to him, you know, if the prophet had told you to do this or do that or, you know, go here and go there, you would have done it. And Naaman says, okay, where's the river? So he goes to the river and he dips seven times and what happens? He gets, he gets cleansed of his leprosy. Why did that happen? Was it because of Elisha? Yeah, to a degree. Was it because of the king of Syria who wrote the letter and, and said, hey, take care of uh, my captain here? Well, maybe, partly, that's part of the issue. But what, what was the catalyst? What was, what was it that started that whole ball rolling? A little maid. A little maid. And, you know, you talk about being a person of influence and, you know, trying to be a blessing, trying to be a help to people in your life. Well, here's a little maid who has tremendous influence. And all, all she is is a captive. All she is is a slave in a foreign country. She probably might even have been told by the other uh, folks that were taken captive with her, you know, don't say anything. Keep your mouth shut. You're just going to get in trouble. They may, they may execute you. They may kill you. Who knows what they're going to do? Just keep your mouth shut. But she didn't do that. She opened her mouth and she said to her mistress, you know, if he'd go over to Israel and see Elisha, get healed. Wow. This little maid. Um, when you talk about influence, you have no idea the influence that your children. I mentioned my son. I'm going to mention him again right now because it just came to my, my memory bank that is not always working. But Tim was in the sixth grade in the Christian school, and Tim had a following of young men. They looked at him for leadership, and he didn't want that. I don't want to be a leader. 
I just want to do my thing. And so I talked to the headmaster in this Christian school, and I said, you know, my son has so much potential, but I can't seem to convince him uh, of the importance uh, of being the leader that you want him to be, the Lord wants him to be. So we chatted, and then he got all of his teachers. So we're in a conference room. This is, this is awesome, preacher. We're in this conference room with teachers and Mr. Matney and, and others, associate, you know, pastor. And here we are in this room, and they called for Tim after we talked about what we're going to do. And they called for Tim, and Tim came to the door and knocks on the door. They let him in. And the look on his face when he saw everybody sitting there and just him coming in. And he said, I thought to myself, what did I do? What did I do? Well, my son didn't realize the potential and what God wanted to use him for. Your children may not know the potential that they have, but it's up to you to influence them to go in the right direction. Now, when you talk about influence in the Bible, uh, there's this young lady that's here that we're talking about in Second Kings. Uh, there's a nameless lad in John, uh, in the Gospel of John, chapter six, that took care of feeding fifteen thousand people. There's a teenager who killed uh, Goliath. There are women in the Bible, Esther, if I die, I die. Uh, you know, if he doesn't put the scepter out, I'm a dead woman. But I'm going to go anyway. Fast for me, fast for me, fast for me. And she goes in before the king, and the king puts the scepter out. And she had an influence to save the whole people of Israel. One, one woman. Four men carried a friend to a home. And they couldn't get in. There's so many people. And they couldn't get in, so what do they do? They raise him up to the roof and open up the roof and drop him in at the feet of Jesus. Influence. Influence. Now, you may not think very much about your influence, but what are you doing with the influence that you do have? What are you doing with it at work, with the people that you work with? What are you doing with your family? I know, I know how it goes, you know, how, how your family, you know, wants you to shut up about the Lord. But there's ways you can get the Scripture in. There's ways you can live for Christ around lost family. And the process that I want you to see here, just briefly, we're not going to be long, but I want you to notice there in 2 Kings chapter number 5, look at verse number 2. It says, And the Syrians had gone out by companies, and they brought away a captive out of the land of Israel, a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. And I want you to notice the next three words, and she said. And she said. You know what you have to do to be a person of influence? You have to open up, just open up your mouth. Amen. Sometimes you're afraid. You're sitting on, I was sitting on the plane coming here, and my wife, we like aisle seats so we can both go to the bathroom when we want to. <laughs> and she sit on the aisle on that side, I'm sitting on the aisle, and this woman gets in and sits down next to me. And she's one of these kind of women. Hey, hey. And she, so we're carrying on this conversation. And I'm, the door's opening for the gospel. 
And then the guy on the other side says, oh, you're from Southern California, I'm from Southern. And so the next 45 minutes, he dominated the conversation. But the Lord's in that stuff. So that, that lady finally turns back to me and we began to talk and found out that she's saved. She got saved in eighth grade. But sometimes you're afraid to speak to somebody on the plane. You're afraid to speak to somebody in that room. You're afraid to open up your mouth. Can I just tell you, don't be afraid to open up your mouth because you have no idea who you're talking to. You have no idea who's already had some groundwork laid, who the gospel's already been given, and you're the one that's going to carry it through to the next stage. And sometimes we're just afraid to open up our mouth. Here, here's this, this little maid kidnapped away from her family, away from her homeland, and away from her people, and here she is in captivity. And she makes a statement, and she says, she speaks, she says something. She's under no obligation to open up her mouth. She's, she's a captive. She's in a foreign land. And, you know, we might think, well, I, I, you know, I hope he dies of this leprosy quick. You know, I don't like him. He's my captive. He brought me in here. But she didn't do that. She just opens up her mouth, and she said, the greatest influence sometimes that you can have and I can have is just to open up your mouth. Don't be afraid. Don't be timid. Don't be shy because you have no idea who you're talking to. But this influence that this little maid had here started simply by her opening her mouth, by a vocal expression of words. Um, like I said, she's not obligated to say anything, probably encouraged not to say anything by her friends. She could have opted to stay quiet. And that's, you know, we see the other side of the coin with the, the, the loud mouth people and, you know, trying to influence the legislation and influence, you know, states and influence people and, you know, making a big stir and opening up them and yelling and screaming. We're not talking about that. Let, let, the, let the wackos do it that way. We're supposed to have a heart of compassion and care and love about other people. So when you talk about influence, my question to you this morning is, what are you saying? What are you saying? What's coming out of your mouth? What's the influence? What do, you, what do you have to say that's important? What do you have to say to people? Well, we have the greatest truth that ever was given to mankind. The gospel of Jesus Christ. And not everybody knows. In fact, today, less people know about Christ than they did 30 years ago. My son taught a, a Bible study in a public school of 3,000 in the roughest city, New Britain, Connecticut. And every morning at 7 o'clock, he'd meet with about 20 kids. One kid came in there one time and he said, can I ask you a question? And my son says, yeah, go ahead. I keep hearing this name and I have no idea. Is he real? Is he a real person? This Jesus Christ? Can you imagine somebody in this country not knowing who Jesus Christ is? And you think everybody knows what you know. Not everybody knows what you know. What are you saying? And what do people hear when you speak? You know, that, what was that commercial back in 45, 50 years ago when E.F. Hutton speaks? Everybody's head turns to see what's going to be said. 
You have to get a testimony of influence where you work and in your family, not to be afraid to open up your mouth and just be willing to take a stand for Christ, especially in the days. And I know you do. I know this church is an active church. I'm hearing all these testimonies at prayer meeting last night. Well, you know, this one is witnessing to that one. He got saved, witnessing to that one. And we got an open door here and an open door. I know people in this church care about getting the gospel out. And it starts with the leadership and extends through the leadership of this church. And I'm thankful that I can know a man like your pastor. I'm thankful that I can know people like you. Now, I want you to notice, if you would, here in chapter 5 of 2 Kings, and notice the next thing. In verse number 3, And she said unto her mistress, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria. Punctuation is a key factor in your King James Bible. Would you look at the punctuation mark at the end of her statement? It's an exclamation point. She didn't say, well, I just wish he knew. I wish he knew Sam Gipp. No. I, I, wish, she, I wish we could get him to my prophet in, in Israel. She was excited about it. She was exuberant about the fact that she had the answer to this man who was her enemy. She had the answer for his problem. She got excited. You know, a lot of times Christians are just dead. You get, you get discouraged. You get despondent over the things in life happening to you. You get sickness and you lose your joy and you lose your excitement. Can I tell you, don't ever lose the joy of being a child of God. Don't ever lose the joy of being excited about getting the gospel out. It's not just the evangelist's job. It's not just the pastor's job. It's, just, it's not the Sunday schools. It's our job as God's people to be excited about the truth of the gospel. So she influenced by her excitement. Exclamation point. It's like a shout. It's like yelling a statement out. It's, it's like an outcry. Wish, I wish he'd get to Israel and see the prophet there. He'd heal him. He'd get taken care of. He wouldn't have leprosy anymore. So she walks up to her mistress and she shouts this to her mistress. Gets, you know, people get excited about so many things that are carnal, uh, that are temporary. Get excited about a football game. Get excited about a baseball game. Get excited about all kinds of stuff. Get excited because your 401k went up three points. Why can't we get excited about giving somebody the truth? Why can't we get exuberant about getting the truth of the gospel out? I'm telling you, we have such a tremendous opportunity especially in the day and age that we're living in now because people have become so cold to the gospel. You say, well, then we're not going to get anywhere. But you have no idea who God's working on. And it may be just you that's going to bring that, like I said, bring that to the next stage. She got excited about something. She wasn't silly. It wasn't temporary. It was eternal things. When you stop and look at it in the whole scheme of things. Excited about somebody else getting something. It wasn't something she was going to get. She didn't have leprosy. It wasn't for her. It was for him. It was for an enemy. 
It was for someone who did not know about the God of Israel. If we could get as half excited about eternal things as we get about temporal things, you'd be surprised how this church you'd have to put another addition on. Not just one person. You'd say, ah, no more building programs. (laughs) I understand that. But I'm telling you something. We're here for a purpose. And it's not just to go through life and you get a paycheck and enjoy the new truck, which, by the way, I'm so jealous of. I I can't understand why so many women drive trucks and I don't. (laughs) But we get so excited about temporary things, things that aren't going to matter at all. You have got to realize you want to see, why do we, listen, why do we do all that? It's for the glory of God. It's not, you know, so you can have bragging rights because you want somebody to Christ. It's so that he gets the glory. That's why he came, to seek and to save that which was lost. And he puts you here. Otherwise, why, why are we here? Why, why, why didn't he just save us and take us home? Why are we still here? It's because we got a job to do. You know this. I'm not telling you anything new. We have a job. We have an assignment given from God. And that assignment is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And sometimes we don't take that assignment very seriously. I know many do and many in this church do. Maybe maybe more than in most churches take this assignment very seriously. But I want you to notice, if you would here, look at verse number three, this energy that that she's putting out here. Do you understand that your Bible never says anything in your Old Testament about, about getting healed, getting cleansed from leprosy? You, you know, you read through uh, you know, Leviticus 13 and see all the nonsense that goes on with, with the curse of leprosy. And why is this young maiden here so absolutely positively sure that if Naaman would just get to Israel, just get to Elisha, that he could be here. Why, why is she so sure of that? I want you to look at Luke chapter, keep your finger here, but go to Luke chapter 4. You understanding what I'm saying here? Luke chapter 4. And here in Luke chapter 4, look at verse number 27. Well, pick it up in verse 25. Luke chapter 4, verse 25. But I tell you of a truth... Many widows were in Israel in the days of Elias when the heaven was shut up three years and six months when great famine was throughout all the land. But unto none of them was Elias sent save unto Sarapta, a city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elias, the prophet. None of them was cleansed. Look at that, saving Naaman the Syrian. Wow. So you you have this influence, and you're maybe afraid to use your influence. You're afraid to speak. You're afraid you're going to get pushed back from family. You're going to get pushed back. You're going to lose the promotion at work if you take a stand for Christ. Hey, how about the other side of that coin? Look at the glory that God's going to get. That's why we're here. Have some confidence about your influence with other people? How about just showing some boldness? How about just showing some confidence about what you know to be true from the scriptures that you've read? 
souls saved. Jesus saving sinners. You know, you got influenced by somebody. Somebody took the time to open up their mouth and to speak to you. That's why you can say, I'm a child of the king. That's why you can say, I'm saved. Do you deserve that? No more than Naaman did. You're a leper, sinful leper when God saved your soul. So you stop and realize that you need to have some confidence about somebody. Maybe you got a lost wife or you got a lost husband or you got a lost kid or maybe your mom and dad are lost and you know, well, I talk to them and they don't want to hear it. They tell me to shut up my own business and butt out. All right. Well, then why don't you show by your conversation? You, you put the words out. Now live. Live what you believe to be true. Let them see Christ in you, the hope of glory. It took 40 years for my brother to finally have his eyes opened to what I had, and he didn't. What's the time frame? 40 years compared to eternity. Let me just encourage you here this morning just for the sake of this message. Get vocal. Get more vocal. Get excited. You know, if, if you're not excited about Christ, if you're not excited about the Bible, if you're not excited about church, what makes you think that people around you are going to want what you've got? You're, a, you know, got this lousy face and countenance just unhappy all the time argumentative. What, what, what we need is to be more Christ-like and be patient and be loving and be caring. Oh, Benson's gotten liberal. No, we just need to be like Christ. When's the last time you talked to somebody about the Lord in your mind? Go ahead. Just run it through your mind. When's the last time you had a conversation with somebody about what you've got? When's the last time that you kind of push the door through a little bit just to get some gospel in? When's the last time you got excited about inviting somebody to church? When's the last time you got excited about being able to open up your Bible and tell somebody about the Lord Jesus Christ? Getting excited. Influence. Defined as the ability, the power to change someone or something. This little maid here in chapter 5, with her decision to say something, with her decision to get excited and shouting out what she's got, with her confidence in God to take care of that man. If, if he would get there, he'd get healed. If you could get to Christ, Mom, if you could get to Christ, Dad, Honey, if you could get to Christ... Everything would change in your life. Everything changed in my life. You're looking at a couple here that when she got saved, we were looking at divorce court, not her or me. I was just an educated drunk, functioning drunk that needed Christ. What if my wife had never said anything? What if she just continued to be nasty? Well, she wasn't. I shouldn't say continued to be, but... <laughs> What if she just said, you know, forget it. I'm just going to worry about Bonnie and not worry about him. Let him take care of me. I'm going to heaven. What if she had that attitude? I wouldn't be standing here today. 
In fact, most likely I'd probably, probably be dead and in hell right now. Cirrhosis of the liver, who knows? But we were headed for divorce court and God, and God, and God got in. Changed our marriage. We've been married 53 years now. That's St. Bonnie. You didn't catch that. She put up with me all these years. You know, sometimes, sometimes it's just going to be a little, little tiny thing of influence. Um, somebody's having a bad day and you just come up and, hey, I just want you to know I've been praying for you. I know you've had a tough time. And can we just pray right now and just have a word of prayer? You know, a lot of times people will come to me and ask me, can you pray about it? And I say, yeah, let's do it right now. Because you might not remember. I'll give you a little thing that I did back a couple years ago when we were in Connecticut. We used to go to Bertucci's and have lunch. And uh, I heard this from somebody, and I said, I'm going to try this. So this guy was our, our waiter, and he came over, and we'd known him. He'd been there you know, every time we'd come. And I said, hey, is there something I can pray about for you? You got, you know, something going on with a family member or, you know, financial issues or health issues or something that I can pray for? Is there somebody I can pray for? And he was a little bit hesitant at first. I said, look, it's just between you and me and God. So then he mentioned about his grandmother. You know, a lot of times we could do that and never pray. But when you do that, you better pray. And here's the, here's the clincher. I, uh, we went back another time, and I asked him, I said, how's your grandmother doing? The look on his face was that I remembered his grandmother. I, I never got much farther. You know, Bertucci's closed, and we didn't get much more influence and never saw him really again. But, you know, you don't have any idea of the influence you can have with just a kind word. Hey, I didn't see you in church today. Is everything okay? Influence. You have no idea where they're at, ready to quit, ready to walk away from their marriage, ready to cash in the chips, and you call them, and you influence them with power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of a friend. Can I just encourage you this morning, don't be afraid of people. You know, I don't think I can knock on that door. Who knows what they're going to do? They might sick their dog. Yeah, they might, but you can run. All you got to do is outrun the partner you're with. <laughs> but sometimes we're so afraid. We're so intimidated by people. Stop that. Don't you know you have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you? Don't you know you have the power of Christ? Don't you know who you are? You're a child of the King. Can I just encourage you this morning? Do a flip-flop if you're like that. And be, be, a, be a, a person of influence around you. Those guys you worked at, you know, I'll, I'll tell you this because I just remembered it, but when I worked at Kodak, um, I, I started out in the trades. I was a helper and then a pipe fitter and a steam fitter and then I was in HVAC and they just kept teaching me and taking me through schooling and, and I finally ended up in the planning and estimating department and then eventually ended up in the engineering group, mechanical engineering group. 
And those guys that I worked with all knew me because I used to go across the street to the St. Paul Lounge and drink with them at lunchtime. And I used to stay there until closing times and then go home. They knew who Tom Benson was. And when Tom Benson got saved, then it was the mock time. You know what I'm talking about. I'd walk down to have coffee with them just so I could be around them and keep the conversation going. And one of them would always say, here comes the preacher, while they're sitting around having a cup of coffee. I didn't care. I just went over, sat down, gum bump with them, and talked to them about the Lord. And, you know, at the time, they're making fun of you, they're mocking you, they're ridiculing you. But every one of those guys, there were about 12 of them sitting around that table, every one of them, made pass to me when they were alone and asked me about some things. The man I got hired with, he was hired two weeks before I was. His name is Al New. He's my age. And Al would, he wasn't as hard as those guys. But when his son was killed in an automobile wreck and he was bawling his eyes out, he says, Tom, how do I get through this? for such a time as this. You have no idea, you have no clue who's watching you, who's observing you, who's seeing the countenance on your face and how you handle life. They're looking, they're watching. Can I encourage you this morning? Do something for Christ by being a testimony, by being outwardly uh, you know, vocal about the things of God. Ladies and gentlemen, the children in this church, your kids, your family, your friends, they need you. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name this morning. And Father, I'm not sure where people are here this morning and their spiritual walk with you. But Father, if there's someone here that's been impacted by just a few words and by the testimony of this little maid, and they want to have that kind of a testimony in their life to be an influence for the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, there might be somebody here this morning that's not even saved. And maybe they're just visiting and they don't know where they're going when they die. Father, if they would just know and understand and realize how much Christ loves them, and how much Christ wants to save them. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Father, people that need Christ, but they need us, that influence between you and them, help us to be that intercessor in prayer. Help us to be that intercessor vocally to talk to people about Christ. I wonder while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed here this morning, there's some folks down here if you want to come and join them help yourself but if you're lost here this morning please don't don't feel like I'm trying to embarrass you or point you out but if, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior can I very vocally say to you God's willing to save your soul even today could I pray for you is there one here this morning just slip your hand up so I can see it and slip it right back down again could you pray for me? I, I don't know where I'm going when I die. Would you pray for me? Is there one here this morning? A lady? A man? So I'm embarrassed to do that. Okay, I understand. 
I'm hanging around afterwards. You want to come and talk to me? I'd be glad to chat with you. There's men in this church. So there's the pastor. Get to him. Say, I need some help. And then Christian, maybe you're just timid and you're, maybe there's a, a shame involved in it. You're ashamed to take a stand for Christ. Don't be ashamed of Jesus Christ. He wasn't ashamed of you. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name this morning, thanking you for just a brief time around your word. And I pray, Father, the Holy Spirit of God would minister to hearts, draw each and every one of us closer to you than we were when we walked in this place. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the death, burial, and the resurrection. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for an indwelling Holy Spirit. Thank you for a church family. Thank you for brothers and sisters in Christ that, that stick with us through tough times and good times. And I pray you'd bless this church, bless this dear pastor, bless the staff here, and bless these folks and these families. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Preacher. All right, stand up. Turn to 650. 650. I love to tell the story. 650. Yeah.
I'm sure if you're like me somewhere during that message, and he alluded to it on a couple of occasions, but others that had an influence on me. And uh, sometimes it was small things, sometimes it was big things. I've told you the story before about a little girl that was sitting in front of me in study hall in high school during a lecture, and it was before I was saved, and I would go to that study hall typically stoned and fall asleep. And uh, she was reading a chick track, and she was sitting in front of me, and I know she wanted to give me that track, but she couldn't find the, the courage to do it. But she kept reading, and she kept giggling. And finally I said, what are you reading? She said, oh, just this. You know how women do. They dangle something in front of you. <laughs> just this. And she showed me the bait. I said, can I read that? She gave it to me. And I'm telling you what, I couldn't get away from that track until I got saved about a year later. And I've tried to run her down. I've tried to figure out where she is, maiden name, all this other stuff, just to tell her what happened. But you just don't know. And we could all go on and on and on about people that had an influence in our life before we got saved and since we've gotten saved. But let me say this to you. He alluded to the courage it takes sometimes, that stepping out. Um, I'm a good enough swimmer that if you throw me in a pool, I can dog paddle back to the side. Don't throw me in the ocean. Don't let me make me do anything hard. I think part of the reason was I didn't have contacts and I couldn't wear my glasses in the water. And, you know, I'd stand there on the high dive and it looked like it was jumping out into the abyss. <laughs> but you ever been where you... You, you're going to go in the water, and you know it's cold, and you, you, know, you stick your little toe in, and you rash. You know what the best thing to do? Just, there's a lot of time I stepped off that high dive, and I thought, okay, this is the end of life. <laughs> and I'd hit the water and dog paddle back to the side, and I'd be just fine. And you know what? You might feel like that today. Just go ahead. You'll be all right. You'll be all right, and you'll be glad because God will use you. Brother Mike Walski, would you come on up here and uh, close us in a word of prayer? And we'll have our Bible Institute graduation tonight. Thank you, Brother Benson. That was a real thought provoker, and uh, I believe God used it among us here this morning. All right, let's pray. Our Father, we are so grateful to be reminded of the simple word, a word that's not even found in the Bible, we're told influence. Lord, we know that others have had it on our lives, continue to have it day by day as we look up to people. And truth be known, even though we don't see it, we're an influence in the lives of others by simple things that we do. We don't think twice about. Just the testimony we have, the consistency that we have. Lord, help us to be that influence and to be that testimony and to open our mouths for you. And Lord, just let the chips fall where they fall. Just leave it in your hands. Lord, you're such a blessing to us. Thank you for the message this morning. Thank you for services this morning. Thank you for all that are here for the reminder again today to be a testimony for you. Bless the afternoon. Bring us, bring us back again this evening. Uh, especially representing the Institute graduation for those that are graduating and for the Institute across the board. 
Help us to be supportive of what this church is doing, the various ministries involved there. We thank you for all you've done for us and what you're doing in us, and we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.